This is Vincent Price. Scrooge was dead. Ebenezer Scrooge, a man feared, hated, finally loved, was dead. Oh, he didn't pass away, as you might have expected, surrounded by a mournful family of grateful Cratchits or his weeping nephew, as the parson commended Scrooge's soul heavenwards. Oh, no, dear friends. Scrooge was quite alone when he faced his maker. You see, he froze to death on a park bench in a deserted corner of Hyde Park as London's January wind swept over his tattered clothes and shoeless feet. Later, some whispered that he had been attacked by a gang or fallen prey to some evil night stalker. But this was simply not true. Scrooge froze to death. Like a thousand other homeless men, they found that bleak winter. Poor Ebenezer. His body lay unclaimed in a charnel house until the end of the week. Then he was placed in a meager wooden casket and lowered into a pauper's grave. It was an ignominious end to his life. A sad moment for a man who, who tried to atone for his mistakes. What had happened to this man of wealth to fall upon such pitiful times? Was not the mending of his ways enough to assure him a a glimpse of happiness? And what of his nephew? Certainly he could have taken steps to prevent his uncle's circumstances. What of Tiny Tim and the Cratchit family? Where were they in his time of need? Had Scrooge, as some had whispered, gone insane, escaped from an institution, and lost himself in London's teeming streets. The matter of his death was certainly something to ponder. Wasn't his conversion to love and charity enough to ease the burden of his guilty conscience, enough to allow others to accept him and care for him in his waning years? Apparently not, because he died alone. The harsh wind mixed with icy rain beating into his lifeless body. He died a man unwanted. Scrooge was dead, and not a soul was there to mourn him. And that's just the beginning of our story. Mutual Radio Theater, a new adventure in radio listening. Five nights of exceptional entertainment every week. Brought to you in Elliot Lewis's production of the Mutual Radio Theater. Our story, The Last of Scrooge, by Ken Gerard. Our star, Hans Conried. What had befallen Scrooge after his miraculous transformation from skin flint to as good a man as the good old city knew? Wasn't his very being filled with love and charity enough to erase the harm of his former image? Or was it his intense desire to be loved that destroyed him in the end? Or was it madness? Well, I'll let you resolve those questions at the final curtain of this drama. For now, let us pick up the threads of our story. The days after Christmas were filled with joy and laughter. 
Scrooge could not have been merrier. His office ablaze with warmth. His heart was fired with kindness. So much so that his clients winked at each other knowingly. Had old Scrooge gone round the bend? <laughs> People could not accept this change in him. They still feared the old man because his reputation, carefully nurtured over the years, could not be altered in a single day, nor changed by his succeeding acts of compassion. Scrooge knew it, for he was no fool. He summoned his lawyer to his home. He devised a plan to prove to the world that he was truly a man to be loved. Oh, Mr. Campton, come in, sir, please. Yeah. How are you, Ebenezer? Oh, never better, thank you. Oh, come, come, Mr. Campton. We'll sit in the parlor and enjoy a roaring fire whilst we talk. Huh? Ah. Well, you've repainted the entire house. Oh, indeed. I couldn't look at those drab walls another day. Oh, I lived here in such depressing surroundings beyond me. Oh, yes, Mr. Kempton. A, a new life is ahead of me. I, you know, I, I relish the days. I, I want to live each moment to the fullest. I, I want others to enjoy it also. That's why I ask you here. Please sit back. No, no, no. Take a seat by the fire. Uh, I marvel at your change, Ebenezer. It was quite sudden, but uh, nevertheless, sir, welcome. Well, if it hadn't been for the spirit, I, I never would have come to my senses. Spirit? Of course. First it was Marley's ghost, then the ghost of Christmas, but the last idiot apparition, a, a phantom in black, was the cruelest. Oh, Mr. Campton, he showed me the future, and it, it was horrible. I had died unwanted, alone. But the worst was the death of Tiny Tim. I could not bear that sight. You had visions of your own death? Of course, of course. I, I saw the future and the past. It was then that I realized my entire life had meant nothing. I'd thrown away everything I loved. I was consumed by suspicion and hate. I knew I had to change. No, I, I knew I had to give, Campton. Give love and receive it in return. And th that's why I've asked you here. Yes. Yeah. Uh, these visions, did they ever speak to you before? No. Did you saw Jacob Marley's ghost? I spoke with him. Poor Jacob was in chains. I see. Uh, and did you talk to other visions? Oh, naturally. And I flew with him. We passed through the walls and were transported to old Fezziwig's ass. You say you flew and walked through walls? Several times. Ebenezer, have you told others this tale? No, no, I don't think so. Uh, good, good. Uh, let's keep it our secret. The, the others might... Uh, well, uh, some could get the wrong impression about the entire episode. I, I, I believe you understand, don't you? <laughs> now, now, my dear Mr. Captain, I, I'm not crazy. I'm, I'm cured. The visions, the ghosts, and Jacob's warning have given me a clearer picture than ever before. Oh, I'm quite sane. Oh, no, no, no. I, I didn't mean to imply anything. Oh, I know. It, it all seems so mad, so topsy-turvy, that, that I should turn over a new leaf and attempt to right my past mistakes. Call them dreams or visions, whatever you wish. It doesn't matter. The important fact remains that they changed my life for the better. Yes, well, uh, probably they were dreams. And often nightmares prod us to action where sweet reveries lull us into 
complacency. Eh, well, uh, now what are we about? A new will, a lawsuit, I'm at your disposal. Oh, better than that, my dear Mr. Kempton. I want to dispose of all my earthly goods before I die. Well, that's simple. I can draw up a will in two days. Do you have a list of the bequests and the heirs? <laughs> no, no. I want to give everything away now, tomorrow. <laughs> you just, I mean, are you planning to enter a monastery? Oh, absolutely not. I, I thought you through to the last detail, to the last cup and saucer. I want people to enjoy my wealth while I'm still alive. Uh, this is incredible. Uh, Ebenezer, you, you have to reconsider the idea. Now, where would you live? Who would care for you? Who would run the business? No patience, my dear friend. I have it entirely settled in my mind. Oh, no, this is folly. This is it's madness. Oh, they are the idiot. It's love and kindness I'm offering to repay those who endured my wrath and cruelty. Mr. Kempton, I must do this with your help. I must show those who snicker behind my back and call me fool that I am a loving fool. But you mustn't pay any attention to idle chatter. They'd malign the angels have given half the chance. But but I have to clear my name. Scrooge. The very sound has become synonymous with an art of flint, with a grasping old man laced with hate and greed. Suppose your name rang the devil's bell in others' hearts. Oh, I pray that that may never happen. My name is, is my cross, my burden. I must cleanse it of the very poison with which it infects the air. Each time a child points a finger in anger and not a scrooge at his victim, my soul shrivels. I detest my name. I loathe it as much as I loathe what I've done to others. I want to burn the word from our vocabulary. I will not go down in history as a villain. Help me, Captain. Please, help me right monstrous wrongs. Help me clear myself before I die. I want to be loved. I will buy my share of devotion, if it's necessary. And Kempton did assist Scrooge, though rather unwillingly. The concept was simple. Scrooge intended to give away all his possessions, his house, his furniture, the silver, and even the second set of china dishes. All this was to go to the Cratchits. Additionally, he set aside money for each of their children. Kempton shook his head with disbelief, but Scrooge was insistent. He made Kempton draw the papers with such clarity and precision that there could be little doubt who was to receive what. Scrooge made certain that everybody had a fair and equitable share of the fortune. To his faithful nephew, Fred, Scrooge would sign over 75% interest in his counting house. The remainder would be given to Bob Cratchit. Dutifully, Kempton drafted the proper legal documents and placed them in front of his client for his signature. I wish you'd reconsider this plan. Why, if it brings such joy to others and relieves me of my troubles? Money cannot bring you happiness, Kempton. How will I know that? My house is nothing without laughter resounding off its walls. A business cannot thrive unless it gives service. No, no, no my mind is made up. I, I shan't be free until the Cratchits are in this house and Fred is in charge of my firm. Now, here must I sign the deed. Huh? Here, and once more on this document. Uh, 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 uh. And that seals it. I feel free. Unburdened, I have fulfilled my visions. 
With a scratch of a pen, Scrooge had signed over all his assets to the Cratchits and his nephew. He had reversed the entire course of a lifetime within three weeks. Scrooge leaned back in the dark leather chair, satisfied that he had unburdened his soul and brought happiness to everyone. Lawyer Kempton looked at the documents and shook his head. It seemed foolhardy to give away the house, the business. Certainly Scrooge was acting rashly, or, or was it irrationally? Kempton wondered if he should mention any of the uh, visions or discussions with Marley to Ebenezer's nephew. No, no, surely not. Perhaps Scrooge was jesting. Of course, of course, it was a joke, a, a play upon words. Kempton handed the papers back to Scrooge. Well, it's done, Ebenezer. You have given everything away. I've never felt more at peace with myself than at this moment, Mr. Kempton. Uh, I'm free. It's as if a, a millstone had been lifted off my entire being. Don't you realize how happy, truly happy I am? I'm trying to understand, Ebenezer. Oh, good. Please, go to the Cratchit's house, to my nephew's home. Bring all of them here. I, I want to see the joy on their faces when I tell them the news. In several hours, the Cratchits, the nephew Fred and his wife Anne, and Mr. Kempton were assembled before the fire in Scrooge's parlor. It was a moment that Ebenezer hoped he would savor for the balance of his life. However, in reality, it was a bitter turning point, which would ultimately lead to his death. Now, 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 sit here, Mrs. Cratchit. Oh, thank you, Mr. Scrooge. Uh, are you comfortable, Anne? Why don't you take my chair? I'm fine, dear uncle. Uh, perhaps Mrs. Cratchit would care for my place. I'm quite satisfied, thank you, ma'am. But you look so uncomfortable. I'm used to straight chairs. The plainest of furniture fulfills my needs. It certainly does, my dear. And, gentlemen, are your glasses amply filled with sherry? <laughs> Absolutely, Uncle Ebenezer. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. Scrooge. Oh, Bob, you, you must learn to call me Ebenezer. It's all different now, all changed, and for the better. I propose a toast to Mr. S uh, Ebenezer. Long may he live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate your fellowship and warm sentiments. It must seem strange that in such a brief span I've moved from one extreme to the other. Oh, Uncle, you don't have to explain any of your actions. Fred and I rejoice that you have found peace within yourself. Oh, I will treasure those feelings for the balance of my days. Because I know, or rather, I, I was shown that often you, you had little patience with me. That's not so... Dearest uncle, I never bore you any ill will. Well, if you did, it was well deserved, as I, I treated your husband with contempt and, and made him feel ridiculous. Oh, all in the past. There's no need to thrash old feelings about. This is the beginning of a new year and a new life for you, uncle. 
well put, my boy. I, I wish to wipe the slate clean. I wish to propose another toast to Mr. Scrooge. Down, Bob. Hmm? Put the glass down. Put it down. <laughs> oh, Bob, it makes my heart light to see you so merry. He does nothing but sing your praises to the children when we're at home. Hmm. Belinda constantly remembers you and her prayers each night before bed. Oh, it's so pleasant to hear her say, God bless us all and especially dear Mr. Scrooge. Hmm. <laughs> it brings tears to my eyes that she's included me in your family. I know she'll never forget what happiness you brought to all of us. Uh, and how many children do you have, my dear? None at present. Uh, we felt we should abstain from raising a proper family until we had sufficient means. I understand one of your sons is lame. What a pity, my dear. So sorry. Anne, please. You expect me to hold my tongue when that cheap fishwife, that cow, plays your uncle like a cello with her children's prayers and adoring smile. She makes me ill. We'll discuss it afterwards. <clears throat> well, I've asked you here to unfold some of my plans. I've decided to make reparations to all of you whilst I'm still alive and can share your happiness. I don't understand. Well, I'm giving my fortune away now. What? Mr. Campton, would you please read the document? Uh, yes, of course, Scrooge. <clears throat> I, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, being of sound mind, will hereby instruct my attorneys to prepare the documents. One, my home and chattels therein, be given to Robert Cratchit. And all the furniture, the dishes, the towels, even the mousetrap. It's a small compensation for the disservice I've done to your family. The old man's a raving lunatic. And to each of the Cratchit children I put in trust the sum of 5,000 pounds to be divided among them when they reach legal maturity. God bless you, sir. In addition, I place in trust with Kempton and Kempton Esquires the sum of 2,000 pounds which shall be disbursed for medical treatment as needed by Master Timothy Cratchit. You have all Tim's undying love. And fourthly, I give to my faithful friend, Robert Cratchit, the sum of £3,000. <gasps> I can't believe this. <laughs> you're, you're just too kind, Mr. Scrooge. Too kind. Yes, well, I've instructed the bank to issue you a draft for the entire sum in the morning. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. And as? in feathers is still an ass. To my dearest nephew, Frederick, I give the sum of 3,000 pounds. Most gracious of you, Uncle. Oh, right, right. There's more. Read on, Mr. Kempter, read on. And sixthly, I assign a 75% interest in my business to my nephew, Fred, what? and the remaining 25% to my devoted clerk, Robert Cratchit. Thus ends the gifts and trust. <laughs> I did wonderful. Fred and Bob, partners. I cannot tell you how overjoyed this has made me. We can only thank the Spectres for this wonderful moment. Scrooge's revelation stunned Mrs. Cratchit and his niece, Anne. Both women smiled politely, but inwardly seized with anger and jealousy. 
Lawyer Kempton watched their show of happiness, realizing that beneath the charming veneer, they hated each other. Mr. Kempton, did you hear what Mrs. Crutchy said? Uh, oh, oh uh, no, no, I didn't. I'm sorry, Ebenezer. I was rereading the deed um, uh, to your house. We want Mr. Scrooge to live with us. It wouldn't seem right to have him give up his comforts, even though we'll be there. Isn't that right, Bob? Oh, for certain. The children would love to be with you. Tiny Tim already thinks of you as his grandfather. <laughs> you hear that, Mr. Campton? I'm a grandfather. Yes, you're very lucky, Ebenezer. Very lucky. Oh, it'll be wonderful. Mr. Scrooge sitting by the fire, reading to the children and helping Bob to learn the business and spoiling Belinda with preach. We'd be a real family, a very happy family. Oh, you see, Mr. Kempton, you say it's a dream come true. I, I hope so. I sincerely do. Mr. Kempton, don't be so worried. Of course the Cratchits will take good care of Uncle Ebenezer. Isn't that right, Mrs. Cratchit? Well, yes, yes, of course. We, we'll always have a place for him. See, it's settled. I'm delighted. But, uh, well, never mind. Oh, now, now, I am. Speak on. I, I sense something's bothering you. It's not my place, Uncle. No, I insist. Well, what is it? I was thinking how the Cratchits need a time, especially those darling children, uh, to acclimate themselves to their new home. I guess it's foolish, but... I would want to have matters settled, uh, yes, settled, before I could graciously receive any visitors or relatives. Oh, yes, I understand. You're quite right. I'm selfish. You, the Cratchit should be alone when they take possession of the house. Oh, not at all, I... Uh, well, we want you to stay, telling Bob. Uh, perhaps Miss Anne has a point. Not that we don't want you, Mr. Scrooge, but the hubbub of the children might be disturbing to you. Children aren't any trouble... And this still is Mr. Scrooge's residence. Oh, now, now, dear lady, as of this day, this is your home. Why don't you stay with us while the Cratchits acquaint themselves with newer surroundings? Oh, yes, I insist, Uncle. There's more than enough room. The change would do you wonders, and we can discuss the details of your business at leisure. You see, I want to take advantage of your years of knowledge in order to make Scrooge and Marley thrive. Oh, there's great sense of this. Indeed, I'll pack this afternoon, and I'll come round for dinner. Oh, I'm so disappointed. Won't you reconsider, Mr. Kempton? Beg him to stay. I feel as if I'd forced you out of the house. Odious woman. Harpy. I won, you snivelling witch. You might own the house, but I'll have him. I wish I could tear those blonde curls out of her head. I'll have your back, you old man, before she's poisoned your mind. True to his word, Scrooge moved in with his nephew, while the Cratchits took possession of the home. Daily, Scrooge would accompany Fred to the counting house, where they would pore over loans and interest rates and collections. Bob Cratchit often listened to their discussions, but inevitably returned to his desk to add columns of figures. Ebenezer was pleased that his nephew had such a grasp of the business and expressed his pleasure to Anne. That evening at dinner. Oh, Anne, I marvel at your husband's ability. He's learned my business within days. You're too kind. 
I'm sure there's much more for him to know. What took you years of wisdom and experience to understand can't be understood in such a short time. You flatter him, Uncle Ebenezer. Oh, indeed not. I, I thank the spirit that I had the good sense to turn everything over to Fred. Not everything, but uh, we're more than satisfied. Your company is payment enough. A toast to Uncle Ebenezer and the spirit of Christmas. Oh, spirit, Fred, spirit. <laughs> I hope they haven't bothered you since you've been here. Oh, not at all. I only talked to Jacob at night. You've seen Jacob Marley? Oh, yes, yes. Every night. I lie in bed and wait for him to materialize. And then we talk. I've told him how happy I am, how Fred's progressing, what's happened to the Cratchits. Oh, Jacob, Jacob is pleased. Why are they pleased? <laughs> they're dreams, Uncle, like the other time. Well, dreams, if you wish, but, but Marley does with it with me. Have you ever discussed these apparitions with Mr. Kempton? Oh, certainly. He knows all about them. There's nothing I would hide from my attorney. Most sensible, Uncle, and uh, most important. Did he feel the spirits had guided you unwisely in the past weeks? Well, you, you know, Mr. Kempton, he's a man of logic, of fact. His mind it works like a clock. He thought my voices were a fever that had swayed my judgment. <laughs> Poor man, he, he has little imagination and too much reason. Did he question your actions? Uh, did he feel giving your home to the Cratchits a sound decision? Well, it wasn't his decision or mine. It was the will of the spirits. <laughs> I've told you that before. Anne and Fred sat facing each other in the parlor after Scrooge had gone to bed. Despite their silence, they thought along similar lines. Finally, Anne spoke. I'm glad he's insane. Oh, you mustn't say that. No? You want him living here the rest of his life? You want to hear his wheezing and hacking in the dead of night? Or do you want to remain partners with a simpleton, a petty low-class fool whose main ambition is to add rows of numbers? You want that, dear? <laughs> I'm the laughing stock of our circle because my husband shares a business with uh, uh, Clark. He's harmless. He's there. I want him judged incompetent. I want the lawyers to pour over all the legal documents he's prepared and find them the work of a deranged old man, a madman. I want her out of that house. I want her groveling in the streets and her children picking rags. Stop, stop. Your cruelty goes beyond reason. They're harmless people who have never had anything. Let them live. Be content, Anne. Be satisfied. Oh, my darling, I only want you to receive your rightful share. Of course, the Cratchits are entitled to something, but what? He has given them much more than they deserve. Am I wrong? Can you honestly tell me that the house is rightfully theirs, or that you cherish the idea of sharing your efforts with Bob Cratchit? <coughs> What should we do? Have Scrooge declared unfit, throw the issue of property into the courts, let them find for us. It's out of our hands. Once he's examined, they'll know he's mad. Let the spirits help him then. We've waited too long to let this opportunity elude us. We'll have Kempton act in our behalf. Yes, 
Let him institute the proceedings. Scrooge is mad. I want him locked in the darkest corner of the asylum. Let him tell the rest of the spiders about Marley and the visions. What's that? Who's there? Uncle Scrooge. We didn't hear you come downstairs. Apparently not. But he's heard everything, haven't you, old man? Yes, you scheming varper. Good. I'm glad. I hate you. And when we're finished, you'll be remembered for your insanity, not your meanness. Scrooge ran from the house in the dead of night. Tears streamed down his cheeks as Anne's words echoed in his brain. Help me. Oh, dear God. Turn this horror from a reality into a simple nightmare. Let me wake you, my bed. Please, please let this be a tortured dream as penance for my sins. <laughs> cold. I'm cold. Inside and out. Where to, Scrooge? Oh, he's not yet lost. I'll go home. To my fire. Yes, yes, sir, to my house. What's done can be undone. I'll be myself again. Open. Open. Upon my soul, Mr. Scrooge. Oh, damn your soul. Close the door. Yes, sir. You're soaked to the skin. Come sit by the fire. Move aside, you fool. Who is it, Bob? Ebenezer. Well, you're sopping. Bob, get his robe and some blankets. Well, quickly, man. Oh, give me your coat. I'll take it. Turn the chair. Face of the fire, you fast. Yes, sir. Fetch uh, my comfort and get out. I said get out, didn't you hear me, you fat-faced little gutter snipe? Get out. Ill, sir. Ill? No, no, I'm cured. And I see you for what you are. You get out now. Well, so this is your niece's handiwork. Well, she's done a proper job, and in such a short time, with that pompous witch. Oh, you're all witches, lying, ungrateful trollops. Such a mouth, old man. How dare you. Get out of my house. Take your pack of disgusting children, your feeble-minded husband, and get out. You sit down. Sit down and be still. Well, I'll let the bailiffs throw you out into the deepest part of the prison and make sure that your brats never leave the workhouse. If you speak once more, just once, I'll bend this poke across your wretched head. You see? Now. I loathe you, Scrooge. I've hated you for years. Even this Christmas dinner of ours stuck in my throat when Bob raised his glass to you. Fander of the feast, indeed. Why, you're an odious, stingy, hard, unfeeling man. Your name casts an evil shadow on this ass. My ass, you old fool. Well, it belongs to me now. Well, not for long. You'll be out of here tomorrow. Campton will see to that. Oh, hardly, dearie. Didn't you sign the deed over to us? Didn't you give freely and without stipulation the money to the children and a share of the business to Bob? You did all that. It's signed and ours. All ours. Oh, not quite, not quite. You see, my dear, I'm going to contest the transaction. I'm going to have the old matter reversed. I'll be my case on on temporary insanity brought on by 
Well, food poisoning. Then everything will be thrown into a conservative's hands, Mr. Kempton's hands, and you and these miserable brats will be forced from my home. Scrooge will be Scrooge once more. Oh, so you dead before one of my children sleeps among the lice and roaches again. You're burning hell as you deserve. Insane. You're just mad, but to my advantage. Look at you, dressed in sopping clothes. Well, you're just nothing but a raving lunatic. What's signed and sealed will never be undone by the likes of you. Your darling niece has played the hand for both of us. Now get out, Scrooge. Get out of my ass. Let the wind and rain freeze your wretched heart. Contemptible slut. No, 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 no. Put that poker down. Don't come near me now. Get out, you filthy. Don't you dare touch me. Follow men, run to your death. Scrooge ran through the night as the wind and the rain pelted his face and soaked his clothes. The rain turned to sleet and the wind howled around the corners of London's deserted streets. Scrooge's eyes glistened like a man possessed. He scurried from building to building like a hunted animal. Finally, exhausted and shivering, he pounded on Mr. Kempton's door. Oh, my God. Ebenezer, come in, ma'am. Come in. Take off those shoes. Yeah. Give me your coat. Here. Mm-hmm. And put this blanket round yourself. Uh, what happened? Oh, oh Mr. Kempton, I, I've seen more evil, more hate than I ever thought existed in the entire world. The devils have turned on me. Kempton, it's all gone wrong. Everything has turned upside down. I, I'm a fool. A stupid fool whose mind is twisted with love and hate. Did Fred cause this? Yeah. Fred? Bob or Hardly, poor simple man, dancers with bibs controlled by scheming women. <laughs> Come to pass too quickly, too soon. You knew this would happen, didn't you? Yes. Why did you stop me? Would you have listened? No. No, I wouldn't have. The idea was too set in my mind. My emotions would have rejected the the best of reasons. Well, now, enough sadness for one night. You'll take a spare bedroom and we'll talk in the morning. Kempton. Kempton, am I insane? Well, this, this is... It's not the time to discuss these Am I, Kempton? Am I? I think your heart has been filled with anger for years and it, it forced you to act unreasonably. Your hatred of mankind certainly stems from the irrational as... Do your actions of hate. I've always known you were a man possessed with unspeakable pain and with a galaxy of fears. That's true. It's quite true. I didn't want to become what I've become. My life was, and still is, is a living hell. Oh, no. Now, let's leave this until the morning. I've never been loved. Now, please, Ebenezer. It's a fact. How can anyone give love? When they've never received it. I was, I was always the outcast. My father detested the sight of me. I, I never knew why. What had I done except being born? Captain, I've been so alone. So lonely. I only wanted to spend the last years being loved. Being loved. Was it too much to ask?
Kempton guided Scrooge up the stairs and into the spare bedroom. He closed the door, leaving the old man to prepare himself for bed. Poor Ebenezer, he thought. Poor, demented man. A whole life wasted. Kempton trudged sadly to his chambers and fell into a fitful sleep. However, Scrooge was awake. His eyes darted across the room, searching the shadows and peering into the blackness. Suddenly, he he cocked his head. Who's there? Molly? Spirit? Is that you, Jacob? Speak to me. Who is in this room? I can't see you. No more. Haven't I paid enough for my sins? Aren't you satisfied? I can't take no more suffering. My whole life has been a punishment before. What more do you want of me? Father? Father, is that really you? What? What? Father, you want me to follow you? (laughs) Gladly. Gladly. You sorry? Oh, I forgive you. You want to be with me? With me alone? Oh, yes. Yes, I'll come. I'll come gladly. I've waited. Waited such a long time for you, Father. It's been so lonely without you. They found him the next morning. He was frozen to death on a bench in Hyde Park. He was just another faceless old man who was buried in a pauper's grave on that bleak winter. Kempton never suspected he had died. And the others didn't care. Mutual Radio Theater is brought to you five nights a week at this time. Tonight's original radio play, The Last of Scrooge, was written by Ken Gerard and produced and directed by Elliot Lewis. Your host was Vincent Price. Our star was Hans Conried. Featured in the cast were Ben Wright, Len Berman, Betty Harford, Valerie Cooney, and Ivor Barry. The music for Radio Theater was composed and conducted by Nelson Riddle. John Harlan speaking. The Elliot Lewis production of Radio Theater is a presentation of CBI. This is Cicely Tyson. Join us tomorrow when I'll have another story that illustrates one of love's many faces. <laughs>